This is a CNA podcast. China Communist Party, the 24th Presidential Convention, is now open. 中国共产党 The week-long Congress culminated in this. Headline news this hour, President Xi Jinping has secured a historic third term as China's leader, staying on as General Secretary of the Communist Party. He just unveiled the new Politburo Standing Committee, made up of six others, including former newcomers, all sea loyalists. Hello and welcome to CNA Correspondent. I'm your host, Teresa Tang. This is the podcast where our network of correspondents shines a light on stories from wherever they are in the world, bringing you behind and beyond the headlines. On today's edition, we speak to Beijing correspondent Olivia Xiong, who had a front row seat to history. Olivia joins me now. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Teresa. The Chinese Communist Party Congress takes place only twice a decade. It's the culmination of months of deal-making, and it reveals a lot about where the country's headed. This year, though, it was different, with COVID protocols in place. What was it like covering such a significant event? You were in isolation for a number of days, along with the rest of the media. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think different may be a little bit of an understatement. <laughs> I was actually just chatting with some other journalists, those of us who had been at the previous party congress back in 2017, and we were saying that it's been very different. COVID-19, definitely a big factor in that, especially given China's strict zero COVID policy. So like you mentioned, the media covering events at the meeting venue at the Great Hall of the People in Beijing, we were required to check into a quarantine hotel, which was placed under so-called closed-loop management, which meant that after a certain cut of time, no one else from outside was allowed in. And those hoping to cover events, media, cameramen, journalists, we had to remain there for a period of time. And it's pretty strict. No one or nothing from outside was allowed in. You can't even get food delivery in. No one can oh, even wow. pass you something from across the gate. Security will stop you from doing that. So in all, I counted, it was about eight days in this media bubble. And inside the bubble, we had to undergo a lot of testing. At first, we were required to be tested daily. But towards the last few days... As we near the closing of the Congress and as there had been a flare-up of cases in Beijing, at one point we were doing two COVID-19 tests and these are PCR tests a day. This method of managing big government events has been applied previously last year when we had the 100th anniversary of the Communist Party, also for its annual parliament sessions. But the difference this time, unlike some of the other times that 
we had to enter this closed loop was that we were allowed to move about. We weren't confined to our hotel rooms. There were limited slots for each media and for journalists as well. In the past, at the last party congress, we were actually allowed to sit in on some of the discussions that the delegates were having in their different provinces or groups. But this time around, because of the COVID restrictions, these were not open to the media. So we didn't get access to that. Security was also a lot tighter. We weren't allowed to bring in to the Great Hall any live equipment, no selfie sticks, <laughs> no power banks, only one mobile phone each, which is absolutely torturous for journalists, as you would know, because you're always on our phone. But it's clear, whether it's COVID-19 protocols or security, that the organisers wanted to make sure everything went off without a hitch. Nothing could be left to chance. Wow. It was just past noon when the new top leadership team was finally unveiled, President Xi and six others, and they walked into the Great Hall of the People amid much anticipation. I know I was very excited to see who these men were going to be. You were there. What was it like in that room when they stepped out? There was a lot of anticipation because for a long while, the dinner conversation at the dining hall at the media centre was, would we actually be allowed in the same room as the party's top leadership because... Because of COVID? Because of COVID. Because Mm -hmm. throughout the duration of the Congress and actually since the pandemic hit, many of the news conferences that have been held were all done via video link, meaning journalists in one room and the officials in a different venue altogether. And throughout the Congress, it had been like that. And these were for lower-ranking officials. So there were a lot of questions. Would we just be watching this unveiling of the party's top leadership through a video link again? So when I actually stepped into the room, I was definitely surprised to see a setup with the stage and the podium there. It was clear we were going to be in the same room as the new leaders in quite close proximity as well. And if you saw the footage, the media stands were packed Mm -hmm. and it was very reminiscent of pre-pandemic times as well, not just because of being in the same room, but there was a lot of anticipation because for months, anyone watching China was trying to figure out who would make that lineup. And given how opaque Chinese elite politics is, there was no real clear indication, unlike some of the previous party congresses, of who would actually make the cut. So you could really feel the tension in the room. And just moments before the big reveal, the MC made an announcement telling the media to get into position and not to move about and to remain quiet because that moment was coming. And you could really just feel this hush just came over the room. Everyone's attention was just focused on that golden door where the leaders were expected to walk in. And when the announcement was made, the doors were open, they walked in, there was a round of applause. And as expected, we saw Chinese President Xi Jinping walking out first. And then after that, it was a question of who would be walking out behind him in order of rank. And so there was a lot of buzz and chatter as these people filed forward. Everyone was trying to see who these men actually were. What became clear as they all filed onto stage and stood there for the media to take photos and footage was that these were all men who had close ties with Mr. C, all had overlapping careers with him in the past and none associated with any other political faction and Mr. C really being firmly in control. This was clearly something that the party wanted the media to capture in person 
And they knew it was a big moment because Mr. C was embarking on his landmark, historic, unprecedented third term in power. Clearly, they wanted this captured and shown across the world. Let's talk about the enormity of the person that is Xi Jinping. You've lived in China for four years, Olivia, as correspondent. How large does the specter of Xi Jinping loom over Chinese people? Does reverence for the Communist Party and Mr. Xi permeate everyday life? Yeah, that's a tough question to answer. (laughs) But there's the official narrative and then the regular Chinese who also have varied views about Mr. Xi. And if we were to talk about the official narrative after the Congress ended and Mr. Xi was confirmed for his unprecedented third term, if you watched state TV, CCTV, you would have seen delegates clapping very enthusiastically, cheering for Mr. C. In the newspapers and circulating on Twitter, there were those who observed that many, if not most, of the provincial newspapers all had the same front page layout, announcing Mr. C.'s re-election, that same portrait of Mr. C., with the same photo of the new Politburo Standing Committee, the new leadership lineup. And during news conferences, there was really effusive praise for Mr. C, which some analysts I spoke to said they felt was on a level they had never seen before. One official of the party's policy research office at a news conference I attended, I remember, he said that Mr. C was, quote, the outstanding figure of our era and the people's leader. So in the media, there's been very careful portrayal of Mr. C, just knowing his background, he's known as a princeling, being the son of Xi Zhongxun, who was once a vice premier and considered one of the founding revolutionaries of the Communist Party alongside Mao. A lot of emphasis has been placed on how Mr. Xi is a man who understands the regular people. In the last couple of years, we have visited various places, whether it's Sichuan province or Tibet, and these were on government-invited tours. They wanted to let the media see the progress they've made in rehoming people from remote villages to new buildings and apartments and creating new industries. And one of the things that we had noticed was how in the new homes built for villagers, there was always a picture of Mr. C hanging in the living room. Mm-hmm. I remember we asked them, was this something you hung up yourself? Many of them said yes. But there's also the flip side, right? Mr. C's critics note how he has cracked down on dissent since coming into power, how he's used the anti-corruption campaign to go after his political rivals. And Mr. C has said this anti-corruption campaign will go on. There's also been questions about China's human rights record. We know those accusations of crimes against humanity made by the United Nations in a report on Muslim minority Uyghurs in Xinjiang, which China firmly denies. So there are a lot of views about Mr. C, but trying to get a real sense of it is quite a challenge because of the political climate in -hmm. China. And regardless of your opinion of him, he has been dubbed the world's most powerful man, something we're going to unpack a little later in the program. Stay with us. Up next on CNA Correspondent, more with Olivia Seung. We unpack what this unprecedented third term in office means and also why observers say having no counterbalance to President Xi's authority could spell trouble for China. Hi, my name is Sarah Alcaldi, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Money Talks. Yes, we will be talking about money, but more than that, we'll also be talking about life, personal choices, lucky breaks, and how money is the thread running through it all. So look out for our episodes wherever you get your podcasts.
Our top story tonight, we begin in China where the country's parliament has voted to abolish presidential term limits. The move paves the way for President Xi Jinping to rule for life. 2018 was a turning point. That was the year changes were made to the constitution that removed the two-term limit on the presidency. In other words, that opened the door for Xi Jinping to remain in power for life. He now controls the central secretariat, military, state council, police and security apparatus. The country, indeed the world, has not seen this in decades. So Olivia, what does it mean if Xi controls all of these levers of power? Well, he's known as the most powerful Chinese leader since Mao Zedong, now that he's secured his landmark third term at the helm. It makes him more powerful than some analysts say they had actually thought, especially looking at the leadership lineup that has been stacked with his allies. And analysts also say we have to look to who has been excluded from this top leadership of the Communist Party to see just how influential Mr. C is. Mr. C, we know, is still the head of the Communist Party, head of the Central Military Commission. And in March, he will more than likely also get his third top post as president of China when the country holds its annual legislative sessions. 2018, you mentioned when the presidential term limits were abolished. That may have been a key moment, but really the groundwork for that had been laid from the time that Mr. C came to power in 2012, he made a series of moves to amass more influence, earning him the title of chairman of everything, as he put himself in charge of the military, economy, propaganda, also exerting the party control over more areas of society, from education to religion. In 2016, Mr. C was given the title of co-leader of the party. That had only been a term used for Mao Zedong, Deng Xiaoping and Jiang Zemin. And at the last party congress in 2017, we saw there was no successor to Mr. C named, as is typically done after a leader finishes his first term. And then in 2018, we had the abolishing of presidential term limits. So really, the groundwork had been laid for this very moment, right from the start of Mr. C's term in office. And last year, we saw a historical resolution being passed which really showed that Mr. C had the backing of the party and made him on par with Mao and Deng, because this had only ever been done twice in the party's history. One surprise was Li Tiang's rise to become the next premier, but he is a C loyalist. Some say he has inexperience and that is a cause for concern. What's the danger of President C being surrounded by yes-men? That's something we are all interested to mm. find out. And... I think that's something only time will tell. Li Tiang walking out behind Mr. C and being ranked number two in the party now was a small surprise, but also not really a surprise. Some observers had predicted he could make the cut as the next Chinese premier. He does have the credentials. He's the party chief of Shanghai, which is a huge financial hub, cosmopolitan city. Throughout history, Shanghai has been a breeding ground for top leaders, including Mr. Xi himself. He spent a period of time there. And former premier Zhu Rongxi. He's the only one who's likely to become premier without having experience being vice premier before. And that's since Zhou Enlai, who was the country's first premier. So also given the mishandling of the Shanghai lockdown for two months where Mr. Li received a lot of flack from residents 
People thought that this would affect his political ambitions and his chances, but it clearly did not. Opposing views to Mr. C. On the one hand, observers are expecting Mr. C. to be able to push forward his vision and his agenda much more quickly. And that's good, right, if the right policies are put in place. But the question is, what if there are misguided policies? Then that could pose a problem. Olivia, we can't talk about the China Party Congress without talking about what happened with Hu Jintao. The former president, we all saw he was seated next to President Xi Jinping. He was suddenly flanked by stewards who coaxed him to leave and then eventually did usher him out. A lot of talk around what this scene meant, given that it's such a highly scripted event imbued with meaning at every turn. You were there. You saw this all unfold. And our colleague, cameraman Emil, he managed to capture some exclusive footage. Tell us what happened. Yeah, this was really an unexpected moment that I think no one saw coming and still continues to be talked about today. To set the scene, this took place soon after the media, including our team, were ushered from a holding area in the Great Hall into the main auditorium. We had been waiting in the holding area to be let in to cover some of the proceedings at the closing session of the Party Congress. We had been waiting for more than an hour or so in that holding room. So when we entered the auditorium, what we saw was all the leaders were seated already in their positions. It was very quiet. Delegates were very still. No one was moving. Amidst that stillness, there was movement where Hu Jintao was. He was front row and centre on the stage. He was talking to someone who looked like an aide. And then what we saw him being lifted up out of his seat and eventually walking out saying something to Mr. C and putting his hand on the shoulder of outgoing Premier Li Keqiang, that famous footage. And as we had noticed, there was something going on. Just to give you context as well, the media is on the second floor of the auditorium on the balcony. It's a distance away. So I actually had my binoculars out. Oh, wow. And I was trying to get a closer look at what was happening. We saw there was a bit of back and forth between Mr. Hu and the steward. And then Mr. Hu walked out. It was clear that this was an unusual moment. And I remember texting my editors in the group <laughs> chat saying, Hu Jintao has left. And they asked, why? And I said, I'm not sure. <laughs> because it was hard to see from where we were exactly what was happening. And it was only after reviewing the footage that our camera colleague managed to capture that we were able to see the expressions and the details of what happened in the moments leading up to Mr. Hu's very unusual, unexpected exit that now has been viewed by people all around the world. But also note that the closing of the Congress was not shown live on Chinese TV. And any footage or trace of this incident has been scrubbed from the Chinese internet. So... It's truly unusual. And Chinese state media came out later to say that Mr. Hu had left because he was feeling unwell and he felt better after. But there are still many, many questions that remain. What was that conversation that Li Zhanshu, the current head of the Chinese legislature, what was he saying to Mr. Hu? What also was in these documents that we had seen in front of the table that Mr. Li had moved away from Mr. Hu. And we also saw Mr. C giving instructions to a staff member 
what exactly was said. All these things we may not ever get the answer to, given the very opaque nature of Chinese politics. An absolutely unscripted moment, so it seems. And just listening to you talk about it now, I'm so riveted. I've seen the footage so many times. I've talked to so many people about their theories. Some have actually accused the West of generating unfounded tension because, as you say, perhaps who was just not feeling well. But going back to that footage that our colleague captured, CNA didn't release it for a couple of days. When did you discover that that was actually recorded? This incident took place on Saturday, and in the evening, my colleague and I, we were rushing our news story for that evening's bulletin, and it included this incident with Mr. Hu. So we included the footage of Mr. Hu being lifted up from his chair and exiting the hall, and we tried to keep it as unedited as possible so that viewers would be able to see everything that went on. In the busyness of the Party Congress, we just had four days of news coverage. And so it was the day after the unveiling of the party's top leadership. I had some time to sit down and review all the footage that we had, because we do need to archive this footage and make sure that they are properly kept. And that was when another colleague and I discovered that there was this portion of the footage which we had not seen before. When I saw the footage of the moments leading up, to Mr. Hu's exit, I I was in disbelief. <laughs> and that was very surprising to me as well because it really gave new context and shed new light on this particular incident because we got to see what happened. And when I saw the footage, I, <laughs> I was very surprised and thought to myself, this is very important key footage. I quickly informed my editors and we put it up in full online. If you notice in the footage as well, some people have been asking about there being a cut in the Mm. middle of our footage. There's a reason for that. It's not because the footage was edited. It's because when this moment happened, media were all, it was a scrum. There was hundreds of journalists, cameras trying to set up. So our camera colleague, had to move his positions as other camera crew tried to get into their positions as well. So he had to stop rolling momentarily. It was just for a brief moment. And then he started recording again. And that's when you see the cut in the footage. And so this was the entirety of all that we captured. And we had no idea that it would generate so much interest. But even though it raises a lot more questions, I think it has provided some insight into what happened, even though we may never really know the real answer or what actually happened on that day. That was President Xi thanking the Chinese Communist Party for the trust they've placed in him and the top leadership. A lot for them to tackle, including a flagging economy and, of course, COVID-19, Olivia. What will the president's next steps be now that he has near absolute grip on power? Well, 
Mr. Season's coming to power has talked about pursuing the China dream, the great rejuvenation of the Chinese nation, as he puts it. And what this simply means is returning China to what it sees as its rightful place in the world. And experts are expecting more continuity of Mr. Xi's policies more than anything, as we have seen him lay out his policy agenda in the last decade that he's been in power. Although he will have to find the answers to some of China's very pressing challenges, top of which I think most people would say it's its economy. China is expected to miss its economic growth target for this year of about 5.5%. Mr. Xi has been increasingly emphasizing this new development model, which is focused a lot more on high quality growth rather than high speed growth, perhaps laying the groundwork for China to have slower GDP growth in the coming years. On the foreign policy front as well, the signal is that China will continue its more assertive stance that we have seen since Mr. Xi has come into power. Officials talked at a news conference during the Congress about carrying forward a fighting spirit and standing at the front line to safeguard China's national interests and dignity. As we know, China is facing tensions with the West, especially the US, whom it sees as trying to contain its rise. And I got to ask at a news conference whether China would be concerned about becoming isolated as the rest of the world opens up? And under what conditions would China maybe open up and change its zero-COVID policy? But the signal from the official and also Mr. Xi when he gave his opening speech to the Congress was that, no, there's not going to be a change in zero-COVID policy, even though adjustments may be made moving forward. What you just heard was the Chinese national anthem. And when I lived in Beijing for two years, I lived across from a primary school and heard this tune come through my window every morning. Olivia, it's been about two weeks now since the Congress concluded, and people in China have had a chance to digest the new leadership team and reflect on what life with Xi continuing as president would mean. What are Chinese people saying? Yeah, that's a good question. It's been a bit difficult to get a broad sense of what Chinese people think. Because as we know, Chinese social media is heavily censored and there are tight controls. Also, we were out on the Beijing streets the day after the new leadership was announced. My colleague and I were trying to get people's views on the new leadership lineup, the party congress, Mr. Xi's third term, and we were getting rejected a lot. (laughs) People said that this was a topic they didn't want to talk about. And there's a certain level of concern about any reprisal or not wanting to have any ma fan, as <laughs> the Chinese like to say. Don't give me any trouble. <laughs> yeah, any unnecessary trouble from speaking about something potentially sensitive with politics, especially on camera too. But I really think the big test will come in these next few years as we look ahead to what Mr. C's succession plans. How long does he intend to stay in power for? How will this new leadership lineup do as China increasingly faces tensions at home and abroad? And it's clear that all eyes are going to be on the world's second largest economy and see how they react. It feels like the work has just begun. Olivia, it's so nice seeing you. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and taking us through this significant juncture in Chinese politics. Thanks, Teresa. It's good being here. The TV version of CNA Correspondent airs on CNA every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. You can also catch up with them whenever you like on cna.asia. 
Follow this podcast version that takes you behind the scenes with our correspondents so you'll know when a new episode is out. Our podcast team is made up of Daniel Lee, Crispina Robert, Clara Ong, and me, Teresa Tang. Thank you for listening.